Welcome to episode 14 of Advanced Scout, your favorite podcast about clutch baseball, a card game that's actually a board game about a ball game. I'm Paul Seeley, manager of the Fed Wheezy Fusion. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that Clutch has a Discord, and it is awesome. Chat about the game, play games, check out cool team-building resources, get excited about cards shipping out, and more. Come join us. A link to the Discord will be in the description of this podcast. We have standards for everything. All AA batteries can work pretty much the same. You only need two different screwdriver heads, well, unless you get one of the weird ones. Denny's at 2 a.m. will always make you regret your life choices. All of these things are always the same. David Greenstein in the Journal of Economics of Innovation and New Technology said in 1990 that standard is to be understood for the present purposes as a set of technical specifications adhered to by a producer, either tacitly or as a result of a formal agreement. It is helpful to distinguish among several kinds of standards, reference, minimum quality, and interface, or compatibility standards. In this case, I'm referring to the compatibility standard. Things being compatible with each other make things easier for the consumer, and they help businesses because they ensure that their products work with what people already have, which means that they're more likely to be bought. So if we've applied this idea to so many things, why have we not applied this to chips and salsa? Chips and salsa shapes are the Wild West. Some chips are triangles, others are circles, some are rectangles. Salsa containers? Always a circular opening. When you go to dip your chip in the salsa, sometimes that chip might fit. Sometimes it might not. Sometimes you have to stick your whole hand in the tub just to get your chip down to the layer of salsa on the bottom. This is unacceptable. Just make chips and salsa that are compatible with each other. Strategy cards are like chips and salsa. Sometimes they're compatible with each other, sometimes they aren't. And they have various levels of spiciness. But while you may not want to eat your cards, you do want to chew on how you make your deck for a while. With 2022 comes new strategy cards, new coaches, and new rules. Each of these will dramatically shape the strategy landscape of clutch baseball. So, before we get into the cards, let's discuss what rules have changed. Speed is now split up into base running and stealing. Swing men exist and can pitch as starters or relievers. You can now double up effects to a maximum charge of three, but the different attributes you can affect are more limited. So, for example... In previous years, you could add to your on-base and subtract from the pitch in the same at-bat. These are really both the same thing effectively, so now cards are written and are being rewritten to consistently be the same modifiers. So this will make it clearer on what counts towards the plus three limit, but now you can add multiple modifiers on top to get to that plus three. So, when a card we talk about later adds to on base, I'm not going to talk about how that works with other modifiers. Like, oh, this card would work really well with a card that subtracts from the pitch, because we can't do that anymore. 
I'll get more into those, how those affect overall strategy at the end, but it is important that we understand how these changes work. The opening hand rule. So now instead of starting with three cards, you start with five. If you don't like the five you get, you can put them back in your deck, reshuffle your deck, and then draw another five. If you keep those five, you put one of them on the bottom of your deck. You know, you can keep doing this, but each time you reshuffle your deck, you add one more to the bottom. The last change is clutch moments. In addition to the situations we already have for clutch moments, clutch moments are also in effect when there are two outs and a runner in scoring position. That'll become relevant with some of our cards later. So let's dip into the new cards first. I'll start with the defensive cards, go to the offensive cards, and then onto the neutral cards. I won't discuss any of the reprints because, well, they're reprints. We've already discussed those cards before, and I, they haven't changed any. First up, going for it. Rare, play before the start of any half-ending with a relief pitcher in the game. Leave this card on your pitcher until they allow a base runner via a walk or a hit. After each out, subtract one from the next swing during the same half-ending. Draw one card after each half-ending that no batters reach base if your pitcher has a hold or a save icon. This one isn't a direct reprint, so we'll count it as something to discuss. I think this card is okay. At best, you're getting minus one to two different swings in one, two, or maybe three innings. A card draw if you go one, two, three, I guess. But you're getting these minus one swings with nobody on base. So even if you're bringing a pitcher in during a close game, those are the least important at-bats. It's not going to be in my decks. Tiger Blood. Common. Play before the pitch when winning. Minus one to the swing. Plus two to their command if your pitcher has the W icon. This card is basically designed to only be good if you have the W icon. If you do, that's a pretty good card. I will have a bit at the end where I talk about pitching strategy cards that make me a little less enthusiastic about this one, but this is a pretty good card. Head held high. Uncommon. Play after a half inning when you allowed two or more runs to score. Leave this card on your pitcher until the end of your next half inning on defense. Roll the pitch using the power die. If you allow a run to score, discard this card and draw one card. So, the goal of this one is to help you when your luck goes wrong, which is absolutely nice to have. Even though you never plan on it, it's going to happen every once in a while. So, you probably wouldn't want to deck this card if you're going heavy on pitching, just because in general you're less likely to give up two runs. But... Free power die pitches until the run scores are nice. They're not game-changing, but they're nice. Plus a card draw if things go the absolute worst. You could do a lot worse than this card. If you do get to play it, it's a pretty good but not amazing card. This will be a card that I probably always have in my consideration pile and then always get taken out in like the last 10 cards. Leaping Snag. Common. On a single result, choose one of your infielders to make a defensive check. If it succeeds, change the result to a line drive. If it fails, the single stands. I'm not really sure how I feel about this one. It's really interesting. 
At best, it's a 20% chance at an out, but it, you don't have to DC anything for it, which is nice. This is one I need to test out a lot more, but it's definitely not something you could ever rely upon. Normally, this would be a nice kind of card for power pitching because one hit is a much bigger deal when you plan on not giving up very many runs. But Power Pitching also has a lot of really reliable cards that you could use instead. Stuff like Intimidation Factor, Clean Cleats, Tiger Blood. So if you're using this, it's as a last resort. Maybe it's to save a run. I got nothing else to play, so, you know, I'm just going to try it. Which, honestly, might not be bad. Is it good enough to fit into a deck? I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical of that. But I'm willing to try it. Let's go to the new offensive cards. Heads up play. Uncommon. After an outfield defensive throw, choose any one of your base runners or your batter. If your player has a base running rating higher than the base runner cho chosen for the defensive throw, they may advance one base. You may not select a base runner that would end up at the same base as the throw occurred at. This one's really interesting. I love it thematically because it's something you see all the time in real baseball. And I do think this card has a place somewhere in our meta. In small ball games where you're trying to get a run or two to make the difference, it makes sense to have this in your deck. But what is weird about this one is that while it is a base running card, it doesn't require good base running to use. It just needs you to have better relative to another player. So it can be a little tough to reliably make this card possible just because you're always going to have different base running and you can't always predict, okay, this guy is always going to be base running when this person who's a lower base running is in front of him. Like you can try to structure it that way, but it's never going to be perfect. But also you don't need to pay into base running to use this card. So that's pretty nice. Moonshot. Rare. After a home run outcome, subtract the printed home run number on the chart that was used from the swing result and draw that many cards. Maximum three cards. Card draw is good. How reliable this draw will be is very dependent on what your team does. If your team can hit home runs reliably, that this is probably good. If it can't, this is not good. Honestly, it's a pretty simple card to understand. I think if you're built towards home runs, you use this card. And if you're not, you don't. Old Reliable. Common. Play after a run batted in during a clutch moment. Leave this card on your batter who got the RBI for the rest of the game. Add their clutch to the swing. So this card benefits from two different rule changes. So now that we have the new clutch moments that occur with a runner in scoring position with two outs, this card is going to be a little bit easier to play. And now that you have a bigger hand that you can mulligan, you're more likely to be able to find this card early on in the game. And you want momentum cards early on in the game. Because if you play it in the seventh inning, it's not as good as if you play it in the first. So last year, this card would probably not be good. This year, I think if you have a lot of good clutch hitters, you probably deck this, and it's probably pretty good for you. Take what is given. Common. 
Before the swing on the pitcher's chart, plus to the swing, change any hit results to a single. This card's pretty simple. If you need to hit somebody in, this is the card. It's really easy to trigger, so if you ever find yourself where your deck just always has too many cards sticking in your hand, this is the kind of card that you put in. This plus flags flying out seems pretty decent. I don't think this is an instant deck for me, but pitcher's chart hits at the right exact time, or for your opponent, the wrong time, are devastating. This is excellent for teams with good base running, who you know you're going to be able to advance home on a single. Third time charm. Rare. Before the first at-bat of any half-inning, for each batter that is facing the same pitcher for the third time or more of this game, add one to their on-base and one to their swing during this half-inning. This card is designed to face power rotation teams. It's thematically neat because it is reflective of real-life baseball, and I do suspect that we'll see a fair amount of power rotation teams in the upcoming season, so I do suspect we'll car this card will get some use here and there. But it's pretty simple. If you're not facing that kind of team, you just don't use it. But if you are, you probably do. We are due. Common. After an out on your batter's chart. Leave this card on your batter who got out until they get on base via a walk or a hit. Plus two to the swing. Draw one card when this card is discarded. So this is the offensive version of the luck management card. Like head, head Hell High, this is going to be a pretty high floor, low ceiling card. You know exactly what you get with it. Clearly, you're going to be more likely to use this if you have more batter's chart outs and you are going to get more advantages. So I'll always be on a list of cards I'm considering, but it probably does not make the cut very often. On to the neutrals. Half Monty. Common. Play anytime. Look at the top two cards from your deck. You choose one card to put in your hand and discard the other card. Of any card in the new set, this is the one I am sure will be in my deck. This card dramatically increases the consistency of your deck. In general, if you don't have enough draw, games will feel feast or famine. Either you find your draw cards, you play your draw cards and you get the cards you want, or you don't find your draw cards and you get very little. Half Monty being a draw card and a common means that you are going to so much more find your consistent card draws. And getting to your other card draws means you're going to find your other card draws, which means you're going to find the cards you want. This one is an auto deck, no question. This there is zero reason for this to not be in your deck. Period. Not today. Uncommon. When your opponent plays a strategy card that may change the result. Negate the potential result change and any discards the card requires. This is a really good example of a card that will not usually be in your deck, but is very obvious when it should be. If you know your opponent plays result change cards like Slap Hit, High Chopper, even Leaping Snag, use this. If they don't, 
don't put in your deck. So now let's double dip and get into coaches. First with the pitching coaches. Mark Pryor. Play before the start of any half inning. Plus one IP if your pitcher starts and finishes this inning without allowing a run. This is the pitching coach that's important to know from this set. Pryor is really good. Maybe a little too good, honestly. Not allowing a run isn't a guarantee, but if you have a good pitcher against the bad part of a lineup, it's pretty consistent. And you'll want to use this on good pitchers. You don't want to give an extra inning to Jackson Coar. Sorry, Jackson. I think you'll have a better card next year. But, yeah, this card is really good. Rick Kranitz. After a ground ball outcome, you choose either to draw one card or have your opponent discard one card. It's solid. Card cycling can be good, as I discussed earlier. I think it gets outshined by other cards, but it's not bad. Scott Emerson. You may discard up to three cards after the swing to subtract that same amount from the swing. This one is solid. It's a heavy discard, but there is a bit more draw this year, which helps. And you know exactly what you get when you decide to discard the cards. I don't think it enters my top tier of pitching coaches, which are Bailey and Pryor, but it's solid. Matt's Blake. Change any fly ball result into a line drive. Now this one was made intentionally very simple for the starter deck. I don't think it's very good, but it does have no cost, and if you have a bad outfield, I could see that being kind of useful, but I probably wouldn't recommend it. Hitting coaches. Chad Motala. You may discard up to three cards after the pitch to add that same amount to your on-base. Okay, so I really like this one, and here's why. Normally, adding to your on-base is just a little bit worse than adding to your swing. The difference has actually shrunk by quite a bit in this set, because hitters' charts are a bit worse, and the back end of pitchers' charts are a bit better. The reason why is that adding on base does absolutely nothing on almost all of the rolls. But the times it does matter, it's really good, because it changes the chart you swing on. Adding to the swing always works, because it goes on both charts. So, when a coach allows you to be precise about adding to something, precisely adding to on base is really good, because it's not like you're going to have enough cards to get a ton of use from the card. So you want the big-time opportunities. I like this one. Jeremy Reed. Draw one card if you advance an extra base, steal a base, or sacrifice bunt. The small ball coach. I could see this working right if you use it properly. I am not sure how consistent that's going to be. And I'd probably go in a different direction. But maybe if you're playing in Detroit, this could be fun. And if somebody got this to work consistently, I would be so happy. Because I think it's a really cool coach. I just think it would be a little tough for me. Justin Viele. Change any line drive result to a fly ball. 
I feel the same way as this one as I do about the other version of this. It's fine. It's easy to understand. It's not the best. And that's okay. Alex Cintron. Before the at-bat, you may switch your base runner stealing rating and their base running rating for the remainder of this at-bat. This one is really interesting. The highest difference between base running and stealing in this set is 5, and there are a few of those. So, theoretically, this could be the highest boost to one of those that you could get, considering that you can only directly add a maximum of plus 3. I feel like this would be really trickered to maneuver perfectly, but I'm not opposed to the idea that it's possible, and I would love to see how creative people could get with it. Let's talk about bench coaches. Brandon Hyde. On offense, plus one to your batters on base for each empty base. On defense, minus one to the swing for each empty base. This one's good. The trade-off of this one versus Mattingly is that you can use Mattingly reactively in a high leverage situation. But Hyde, you get more raw power at the beginning and might prevent that situation to begin with. Hyde is newer, so I'm guessing he's going to be a pretty popular one. And he's probably the best one in this set. I'm not positive there's a clear answer on which one is better. I think the most clear-cut situation would be if you have something like dialed in on a pitcher you just want to prevent any losing advantages in the first place, so having something like Hyde kind of makes sense. Bud Black. Offense. If you play a strategy card that adds to on base or the swing, plus one additional. Defense. If you play a strategy card that adds to command or subtracts from the swing, plus or minus one additional. I really like this one thematically. I think it would be really hard to pull off, but potentially has really big upside. Because you could get an additional plus one on base slash command and a plus or minus one swing in one use of this card, because it's for the at-bat. But that's ultimately the only time it's going to equal some of the bonuses you can get from other cards. And even then, it might not be quite as good. So I would say this one is more fun than it is good, but it looks so much fun. I would love to mess around with this. David Bell. On offense, draw one card and discard one card after an out outcome. On defense, draw one card and discard one card after a walk or hit outcome. Really simple manager, which was the intention when it was made. If you need to cycle through your deck a lot, Maybe you'll use this one. I tried using it and ended up not needing it with how much other cycling and draw I had, but that was also one game. This is a manager I probably won't be using in my initial roster, but if I end up finding that my deck isn't consistent and I need it to be a little bit more consistent, I could definitely see David Bell being a coach to switch to to make that happen. Terry Francona. On offense... All doubles are triples. You may discard one card before the pitch to add two to your batters on base. On defense, all home runs are triples. You may discard one card before the pitch to add two to your pitcher's command. This is basically the opposite Rocco Baldelli. I think I'm not really the best judge of this one, since I never really got Rocco Baldelli to work for me. 
But there are others who really like them. So maybe for them, this will work. I don't know. Uh, to me, there are other coaches that are easier to use and just as powerful. But maybe if you're a big Baldelli fan, this will work for you. But also, triples are cool. So there's that. And there's all your new cards. Here are my overall takeaways. The new opening hand changes do a lot. They make your deck so much more consistent. So, momentum cards, clutch moment cards, master proficiency, any card that requires play at a particular time during the game, those are way better now. I think this with prior makes power rotation a really intriguing option. And it also makes clutch-based teams an intriguing option. It makes cards that benefit from momentum cards also intriguing options. Of all of these cards, Half Monty is the only one that is a very clear automatic deck for me. But there are many that could be in certain builds, and many that will be in specific situations. So I think the biggest change here isn't really the strategy cards themselves as much as how much your deck consistency will improve. Which means we need a lot of testing to figure out what that helps the most. Power rotation and clutch seem like the prominent options. Maybe more consistent clutch moments makes clutch really good, I don't know. What I will say about power rotation though, is I think a lot of people building with power pitching will build specifically towards icon cards. And I think that's kind of a mistake. If you have empty real estate and intimidation factor, do you really need clean cleats too? All of those cards end up sticking in your hand waiting for the perfect time. So you are going to have to pick and choose them a bit. And there are plenty of very good cards that don't need those icons to begin with. I think the MVP icon has a good argument because it does already synergize with stuff you're decking like instant replay. And I think the W icon has a good argument, because Tiger Blood is actually better than those other cards, and the extra IP from For the Win might be worth it. But I also think No Icons is very legitimate, and should be helped by the increase in deck consistency. Time will tell, but I have no issue running Jacob deGrom with no extra icon strats, and having like 30 or 35 offensive cards, because, I mean, does he really need the help? As of now, pre-orders are in the mail, which means it's time to start building and playing. Unlike Chips and Salsa, make your cards work together. Like Chips and Salsa, you're going to be a little salty, and hopefully a little bit spicy.